turn on the mic there. Sorry about that. Take your Bibles and let's go to the book of First Peter. First Peter. And uh, want to spend uh, 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 an evening here just looking at a word that's repeated 15 times in the five short chapters of First Peter, a, a, a word that each of us have to deal with at, at some point in our life, and that is the word suffering. Uh, many times people will uh, talk about suffering, and, and I like the uh, illustration. I don't know who made it up. I'm sure you've seen it on the Internet if you, if you watch those things. And uh, uh, the young lady was complaining about suffering in her life, and her dad sat her down and said, Just wait here a minute, and, and uh, came back with an egg and a carrot and a cup of coffee. How many of you have heard that? And uh, said, I want to I just illustrate what suffering can do. First, he took the egg and whacked it on the table and said, you know what happened? We put the egg in the boiling water and it became hard. He said, now look at the carrot. And she took the carrot and he said, the carrot was stiff when I put it into the boiling water. We put it into the boiling water and now it's mush. He said, here's the last one. Good cup of warm coffee. You see, I put those grinds in the boiling water and they changed the water and made a wonderful drink out of it. Now that's a story somebody made up from somebody that probably had a little more time than they needed on their hands. Amen? Uh, but, it, but it is an interesting illustration of what suffering does in our lives. It's going to change you. But how is it going to change you? And Peter, as he relates this little epistle, 105 verses, 15 different verses, the word suffering is mentioned. And I know this is the beginning of the holiday season and all of those things we're supposed to be doing Christmas. But um, I just felt like the Lord would have us walk through the pages of this short little book tonight. And, and we're just going to start in verse 11. And we're going to deal with those 15 uh, verses here tonight and, and see if the Lord would have something for us to help us. In verse 11 it says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now, what Peter is doing here is he is writing to the believers. He's writing to those that are scattered abroad in many of the different areas that Paul had been to and started churches in some of those areas where Paul had started a church and then people from those churches Paul had started had reached out and started other churches. And he is talking about our salvation. And the first theme that Peter brings out is that Christ suffered. Now, I'm not trying to make this a Christmas message at all, but the simple thing was Christ was born for one purpose. He came to Bethlehem's manger to suffer and to die 
and to pay the price for our sins, to identify with mankind to the point that he, as the infinite God, became a finite and real human being. At the same time, we, we do not believe in, in man's reasonings uh, when it comes to why Christ died. Some say that he came just for the elect. That's the Calvinist idea of things. And what a sham that makes the gospel. It just takes your entire Bible, everything in it, turns it inside out. And we have others that, that uh, 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 Jewish people say, the Messiah was never supposed to suffer. Read Psalm 22. Read Isaiah 53. Uh, the Bible is very clear that the Messiah was going to suffer. And so, as we follow these things, we need to understand that, yes, Christ did come to suffer, but there is a glory that's going to be revealed. Amen? When Jesus comes again, He is not going to suffer again. I am so glad that I have never actually been involved in the Roman Catholic Religion or the Orthodox religion, those religions that consistently and, and continually re-crucify Jesus Christ and relive the crucifixion of Christ. I am so glad to be a gospel preacher that Christ suffered once to pay the price of all sins. This is the message of the Bible and it is our message. Without the suffering of Christ, without His shed blood, but I like when Brother O'Barrow was here. He just, he walked in, he said, I like that. It is finished. And kept referring to it often during his sermons uh, for our missions conference. And I want to remind you that the suffering of Christ is finished. It is a completed work. And when we talk about our salvation, it's talking here in verse 10. It says, listen, the salvation of prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Moses wanted to understand what this salvation was. Malachi, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they prophesied that it was coming. Abraham came the closest. When he was on Mount Moriah with Isaac and took that ram that had been caught in the thicket by its horns and offered that up instead of his son. But he still didn't fully understand. No one would until it was fulfilled. You know, prophecy is best understood after its fulfillment. Amen? And I would challenge you, there are certain prophecies in the Bible that we would have no real way of knowing that they were even prophecies, except for the fact that the Scripture tells us uh, the Herod's murder of the babies in Bethlehem. How would you get that out of the passage there in Jeremiah, that that's what it was talking about? Well, when prophecy is unclear and God wants us to understand it, he tells us this was fulfilled. Then it's crystal clear. It's very 
simple. And so as Peter starts out, he says, we need to understand that it was testified beforehand that Christ was going to suffer and that he was going to be glorified. And we get down into chapter uh, 21. The, the first theme that we're going to look at is we're going to walk through the book of uh, 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 Peter looking at the sufferings of Christ as they are mentioned. And we come down to 2.21 and it says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. We have an example in Jesus Christ. As Christ suffered, the Bible says we should follow in his steps. You know, most of the things that Jesus did, if you've ever read that little book, uh, In His Steps, uh, it asks the question, what would Jesus do? Well, I want to challenge you, 99 times out of 100, 999 times out of 1,000, you can't do what Jesus did. Uh, when it comes to baptism, you can do what Jesus did. You can find a Baptist preacher, get baptized. Amen? Uh, yet, when it comes to suffering, the Bible says we can do what Jesus did. Now, please don't raise your hands, but I, I would think most of us, if we were really honest about ourselves, could classify ourselves as easily offended. Do you think I'm going out very far on a branch by making that statement? I, I don't think so. Uh, most of us as human beings are easily offended. And yet, what happened when they offended Jesus? He, he suffered. He did not revile again. He didn't cut the guy off who cut him off. Of course, he wasn't driving cars, but I'll tell you what, in this day and time, how many of you have been cut off on the sidewalk this week trying to climb the stairs to the subway? Uh, I, I just love it. It's, it's worse than on the highways now. People will run and get in front of you and then slow down, uh, just like they do on the highways. A am I the only one that that's ever happened to? You see, the fact that I recognize that and you are laughing tells me you identify with that and we're easily offended, aren't we? It doesn't take much to get us out of sorts. And yet here it tells us that we have an example of Christ's suffering and that Jesus, instead of trying to make things right or asking why or any of these other things, he simply 
committed himself to him that judges righteously. You see, there, there is a reason why God brings... I, I love the songs Andrew picked tonight. It was almost like he's looking at my notes, but I know that he couldn't have. Uh, so many of the songs just fit right, right in with this. Even the Christmas carol, who toil along life's uh, climbing way with weary steps and slow. Uh, so often we, we get out of sorts, yet here it tells us that what we need to do is follow in Jesus' steps and commit ourselves to Him that judges righteously. Let's, let's look at chapter 3 and verse 18. The next time the word suffering is mentioned here, talking about Christ's suffering. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which were sometimes disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. And we go on to this very difficult passage here in the Bible uh, that talks about uh, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth now also save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Here's what you need to understand about all that. Don't allow your spiritual imagination to make connections that are not made in the Scriptures. Everything that's in this passage is talking about the work that God does in our lives to save us. And we have a like figure, we have a picture of baptism in water which is a physical representation of the work of the Holy Spirit of God at the moment of salvation. It's very simple. Noah got in the ark. How did he get in the ark? Read Hebrews 11. By faith. Amen? How do you get saved? By faith. After you exhibit faith, what happened to the ark? He got put in the water, didn't he? And after you get saved, how do you exhibit your faith in God? By following Him through the waters of baptism. And it's just that simple there. And why did Christ suffer? He suffered to save us from our sins. He suffered to reconcile us to God. I like the way one old preacher put it. I, I believe it was Harold Seitler that said this, and I may be... Mistaken on that, he said the infinite God was able to accomplish in a finite period of time what it would take every sinner who ever lived in eternity in hell to accomplish. Jesus satisfied the wrath and the judgment of Almighty God. That's why he cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He bore our sins. He did not become a sinner, praise God. 
if you ever hear that you, Jesus became a sinner, you know that you're tuned into somebody who understands so very little about their Bible that they ought not even be holding one. Uh, Jesus bore our sins. He took the judgment for it. He was counted guilty, but as God, he could never be stained with sin. Can we say amen to that? He suffered for a purpose. That purpose was that we might have forgiveness. And if we go on to chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, For as much all of these things uh, that you can get caught up in and get messed up about, uh, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he, should, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Wherefore they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, Speaking evil of you. You know, Christmas time is often a great excuse for people to do things that are desperately against the Scriptures. I mean, they sing that song, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, uh, what is it, uh, Spirits of Cocktails Ring. I mean, there's a lot of spirits out there. And most of them are not good. If it comes out of a bottle, that's not good spirits. Amen? Uh, you, you need to understand something. Arm yourself. You know, people accuse you. I remember one time as a high school student, I cleaned offices after school. That was how I was earning money for Bible college at that point. And, and uh, oh, I hated Christmas time. Because it was the office parties. And I remember one of them, uh, I drove past to do the cleaning and the lights were on and people were dancing. And I knew I couldn't go in. And finally, it's 11 o'clock at night. And so I called up and I said, listen, I need to come in and clean the office. How long are you guys going to go? Oh, why don't you come on and join us? I said, uh, I don't do that stuff. What do you do then? I said, I go to church. I'm getting ready to go to Bible college. Got real quiet on the end. Oh, we'll be out of here in just a little bit. Uh, Oh, what a mess. Uh, I tell you, if you ever want to get your fill of what happens with alcohol, clean up after a party sometime. It'll make you so sick you'll never want At least it did for me. Arm yourself. Jesus suffered in the flesh that he'd put an end to sin. Sometimes he allows us to suffer in the flesh to help us be patient enough not to sin. Amen? To help us understand that we need to follow in his footsteps and that sometimes this thing called suffering will give us the strength. And the, uh, the uh, let's just go to the next one here. The last verse talking about the sufferings of Christ, 5.1. one. 
It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And then he goes on to instruct the preachers in what they're to do. Now, that passage is, is primarily talking to preachers, but there's an application for you and I. If we will allow it, suffering, difficulty, should drive us to Christ. Amen? If we'll remember our funny little story with the egg and the carrot and the coffee. I'll tell you, if you had a choice, you want to be the coffee. Amen? It's going to change you. But is it going to be for the better? Listen. Suffering... This is what James means when he says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. If we will allow those difficulties in our life to drive us to Christ, guess what? We can be thankful, can't we? How many of you pray harder when you're having a tough time? Ah. Is it good? To be more dependent on Jesus than it is to be less dependent on Jesus. Amen? And, and so we can see. They're, they're, the sufferings of Christ are there for a reason. Number one, they fulfill Scripture. They draw us. They, uh, they are the things that have paid the price for our sins. Christ has given us an example of how we should follow in His footsteps dependent upon God instead of our human reasoning. And, and we, we understand that suffering, if we allow it, will help us live righteously and should drive us closer to Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't the only mentions of suffering. If we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19, and we're just kind of taking this topically as, as the verses appear in, the, in the, uh, the book here. But we look at verse 19, and it says, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongful, wrongfully. For what glory is it? If, when ye are buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us. And he ties this in. Now, I'm not asking a question tonight. It's just making a simple statement. There's going to be a time when you suffer wrongfully. When people accuse you of things that you have not done. When people lie about you. When people purposely try to hurt you for no other reason than their own amusement. That's a very difficult place to be. When people... Treat us wrongfully and cause us to suffer because we were being obedient to Christ. But here's what it says. This 
is acceptable unto God. This is thankworthy. This is something that God is going to take notice of. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want rewards when you get to heaven? If you don't, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with that kind of spirituality. Oh, I don't want anything from God. Well, wait a minute. That's not why He saved you. He saved you so He can show the world His goodness and His grace and His kindness through you, through me, through our church, through other churches, through churches together in what we accomplish. You see, suffering wrongfully is what happened to Jesus. He never did anything wrong. And if we're going to follow in his footsteps, we're going to have to be prepared to suffer for righteousness' sake. Amen? Which is the next use here. Uh, look at First uh, Peter 3.14. It tells us in, in verses 13... And, and 14, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. The, the Bible tells us here, skip down to verse 17, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Um. Listen, the Bible tells us that there are times in our life when it is God's will for us to suffer. How did Jesus deal with that? He committed himself unto him that judges righteously. Amen? And the Bible tells us that that's what we need to do. Uh, suffering for righteousness' sake is good. But let's read verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you. Um, I'm sorry, that's 3.15, 4.15. It says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Listen, suffering for righteousness' sake, that is good. But what kind of testimony is it when a Christian has to pay the price for the wrong things that they have done? That demeans the character and the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be careful of. That's one of the strongest accusations Jesus had against the scribes and the Pharisees was in order to fulfill their little standards and their righteousness, they made people speak ill of the goodness of God. 
And we want to be careful. He's talking about this. If we suffer for righteousness' sake, uh, it's better to suffer for well-doing. And by the way, there is no life without suffering. This idea that you can live this perfectly happy life and ever on the upward road and everything is just turning up roses with no thorns and just a beautiful world and everybody in it is beautiful. You can live in fantasy land if you want to. But it won't last very long. You know, I used to laugh so hard about uh, Robert Schuller and the Crystal Cathedrals. Anybody remember that nutcase? Uh, and, And he'd say, You just need to make lemonade out of your lemons. And my question has always been, where do you get the squeezer? Where do you get the pitcher? Where do you get the sugar? Where do you get all the ingredients it takes to make lemonade? Life, when it turns sour, does not provide you all of the extra things to make lemonade, does it? And sometimes God doesn't provide them either. Because it's His will that we endure hardness. It's His will that we walk through that valley of the shadow of death. It's His will that sometimes we suffer in the flesh, that we would receive what we need to live more righteously for Christ. You never really learn to trust until... You have to depend on it. Amen? And so sometimes God asks us to do this. And that's why in verse 16 of chapter 4 it says, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. You know... We, we look at this and we, we call it a perp walk. That's where you have to do in your handcuffs and walk from the police car to the police station. Or they take your mug shots and, and uh, I think they have uh, uh, Frank Sinatra's mug shots on, on uh, all of the picture things. And uh, I don't know why anybody would want those. Those are shameful things. But here's what the Bible says. If we're suffering for righteousness' sake, if we're suffering as a Christian, we have nothing to be ashamed of. If the world can accomplish one thing, they would love to make you ashamed of Jesus. Don't allow that to happen. Amen? Because... We can have confidence in God. And we go down just a few verses here. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. There's a whole life of living in that verse. Let's go back and let's just pick up the context here. Let's start in... In uh, verse 14, 
It says, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory in God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. You know, when a person first gets saved, God forgives all their sins. But you know what? There is usually some things planted in their life that's going to come to fruition. That law of reaping and sowing is not completely erased the moment you get saved. And so you start trying to do righteous things, and you start trying to plant that good seed, but there's some of that bad stuff that's going to come to harvest. And it feels like you're getting clobbered for doing good. But here's what the Bible says. You commit yourself unto the faithful Creator in well-doing. you got to keep doing right. Because eventually, those harmful seeds, that bad harvest, is going to disappear. And then you start reaping the good things if you keep... That's why it says, you'll reap in due season what? If we faint not. So many times you faint and all you're doing is planting another bad harvest. It's going to come in. God is not mocked. And so a lot of people spend their whole life stepping up. I'm going to do right and then getting clobbered. Stepping up. I'm going to do right and getting clobbered because every time they get knocked down, They just go back to the ways of the world. That's not how the Christian lives. You see, suffering happens to us all. But as the Christian, I can commit my suffering, just like Jesus did. Who do we condemn when we talk about the crucifixion of Jesus? High priest? The associate high priest? All of the Pharisees, they were all in the wrong, every one of them. Pontius Pilate, Herod, every one of those people was in the wrong. But who suffered on that day? Jesus did. And we glorify him, do we not? See, that's the pattern. And that's why we need to follow that. Let's go down to... uh, 1 Peter 5.10, and then we'll finish up here. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that 
ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Look at what it says there. The God of all grace, He's called us unto His eternal glory. If you're saved, you're called to the eternal glory by Christ Jesus. But it says, after that, you've suffered a while. Now, here's what's going to happen through suffering if you'll have the biblical attitude and direction. What's the first thing it says there? Make you perfect. Now, I dare say none of us would say, well, I'm perfect. No, that's not what it's talking about. You know, we have redefined words to the point to where nothing means anything anymore. The word perfect in Old English simply meant complete. How many of you have ever put a jigsaw puzzle together? Isn't that fun? Just sitting there and, I mean, you open up, especially those thousand or two thousand piece puzzles, you just look at it and you're going, I remember one time the kids were little uh, and we got a puzzle of candy. And it was all different kinds of candy. Well, there's one thing about candy, it all looks the same. And it was like a thousand or twelve hundred piece puzzle and, I mean, we were just sitting there couldn't find this and that and putting this here and all of a sudden found out it went over there. And I mean, it was just quite a... But we finally got that thing together. You know, people were fighting over who's going to put the last piece in. But being father, I hid it. No, uh, I did not. Um, we, we had a lot of fun putting that puzzle together. But that's what the word perfect means. How many would say that since you've gotten saved, Jesus has added things that were missing in your life? Amen? You see, that's what make you perfect is. And suffering is one of the tools that will complete you, that will bring those things into your life, that will give you a proper attitude toward the blessings of God. How many have experienced this, that things that you just thought were ridiculous and, and, and despised before you got saved, now you embrace that very same thing. I've had people say, man, I hate the music at your church. I say, well, you've got to get saved first, then you'll love it. And I've watched God change people's attitude toward the music. You sing songs that actually say something. I get so sick of those 7-Eleven songs. You say seven words 11 times and you say, oh, yes, okay. We praise you, praise you, praise you. Oh, come on, give me a break. That's what they did in the 60s with the rock songs. They couldn't even end them right. That's why they keep repeating that one line over and over again. They just fade them out. Is because they're not smart enough to put a real ending to a song that actually does something. I'll tell you what, you sing those songs we sang tonight. Uh, there's an ending to that song that actually means something. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, I can't wait to hear the angels sing in person. Amen? And to be a part of that heavenly choir. It says, listen, it's going to make you perfect. Establish. Now, that word establish is the old English form. Most of the time in modern English, we use the word establish. What it simply means is to put your feet on the ground. Is to lock you in. Many of the buildings uh, will have a cornerstone and it will say something, something that went out of business a generation ago. Established. And it will give the date when that organization or that building was built for this certain company that no longer exists. But... You know what? Jesus will never no longer exist. He's going to establish you in the faith. We don't have time tonight. Read the promises to the churches. He says he's going to make those who were of the synagogue of Satan but lied and said they were of the synagogue of God. They're going to come and bow at the feet of those that have believed the Bible simply and truly. Listen. Establish you strengthen you. If I were to ask how many of you could use a little strengthening, I think every hand would go up. Well, get ready to suffer because that's one of the ways that God strengthens you. Uh, well, well, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. Well, just a second. Who are you following? The world? Or some lie made up by people that doesn't exist? I mean, you want to talk about people that suffered. There, there is one reason I will never be as rich as Bill Gates. Because I'm not going to do what he did to get rich. He has suffered. Oh, he's got all this money. And now he's so guilty about it, he's got to give it all away. Give me a break. You know, I've been giving away what Jesus gave me since the day I got saved. And I'm going to reap eternal rewards because there are some people in heaven today because I shared with them what Jesus gave me. Amen? He's going to strengthen you. He's going to settle you. Uh, You know, there there are people that spend their whole life, well, what about this? Uh, Well, what about that? How about this? I, I get so... I, sometimes I, I let it get ahead of me. I, I let my flesh get in the way. I get all these things. Uh, uh, just got an email here. Uh, we're, we're inviting you to this church growth seminar. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, sure. Uh You've never even been in a church. It's not sponsored by a church. It's not pastor. It's not Bible. It's not nothing. And, and I really, it just gets to me. Why, why do I get these things all the time? Somebody who wouldn't know what a church was if you parked one in the front yard are going to teach you how to build a church. No, they're going to teach you how to get people together and have a party. That's not church. You see... The reason they don't teach you the biblical things is because the Bible says after that you've suffered a while. 
Uh, that's not positive. Oh, yes, it is. Because he that brings me through the suffering is he who has suffered before me. He never has me suffer without a purpose. He suffered so that I could have my sins forgiven. The little bit that he asked me to endure is absolutely nothing in comparison. I can arm myself with the example of Jesus Christ. And the world says, you're crazy. And if this is what it is, I want more of it. Amen? You see, God is going to make you perfect. He's going to establish you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to settle you. Because then He can use you to bring glory to His name. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you. For the subject of suffering and how your word deals with it. And Lord, that we can be honest and simple as we face the suffering that is in this world. And we ask for your direction that we may bring glory to your name. If anyone needs to add their own prayers to that, we'll just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed for a moment. If you